and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today is the doyen of Daz, Jules Boyle and Ayrshire's most obdurate man, Gaby Mackay. We look at Kieran Tierney's injury and ask, do we take physical conditions seriously enough? Alan Stubbs has accused St Mirren of making his signings into scapegoats in their battle against relegation. We take a deep dive into the Englishman's allegations. And we've got a couple of questions to answer. So, first of all, we're going to talk about Kieran Tierney, lads. Um, Some really interesting quotes uh, in the paper today. Uh, So Tierney said, There's pretty much pain all the time. It's sore when I wake up, sore moving about. People say it gets better once you've warmed up, but I've yet to feel that way. It's been absolutely agony. But I know what I've got. I know there's not much I can do until I get my op. Guys, I suppose the question from this is, why hasn't Kieran Tierney had an op? Why do we make a player play through such significant pain as he's just described, Jules? It's a difficult one. I'm, I'm under no illusion. I don't think a Celtic or any professional club would force a player to go through um, something like that if he wasn't um, being carefully monitored, if the player was up for it himself um, for a start. I don't think he's been bullied into it or anything like that. Um, I think there is a, a, a thing in Scottish football, there is a, a level of endurance and toughness. It's a, it's a physical game up here, especially as we, you know, more than other places, like as we talked about earlier, Holland, places like that. You are expected to turn up and get on with it a lot of the time here and I think that might be the case obviously Celtic are pushing for eight in a row they're pushing for the treble treble Kieran Tierney is arguably um, their most important player um, you can say Forrest McGregor the team without him is very much poorer um, he's a Celtic man through and through he knows what's needed of him and you can see him being the one to make that decision but Jules is Kieran Tierney who's sore when moving about who's in absolute agony really better than, say, Callum McGregor playing at left-back. That's clearly what Lennon thinks. Probably, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, if you take Callum McGregor out of that position, as we discovered at the Rangers game uh, Ibrox um, in December, you take him out of his own position, put him in the, the that position there, um, it's a disaster, as it was. Um, no disrespect to anyone at the film. It wasn't a dis- disaster for Rangers. It's a disaster, as we're speaking, yes, indeed, it wasn't at all. It was a disaster for, for Celtic and that team. Um... And it really was. I think that, that's a big warning sign of as much as McGregor can fill in in a lot of other positions and do it admirably as he did that day, um, Celtic do not just have the, the depth to cover for Tierney he's not there. Gaby, we recall, well I recall, because I'm old enough, you won't remember this, you're too young, but when Ronald de Boer was at Ibrox, um, he used to go on and on about things like the Scottish fans clapping the fact he would run into corners. He just wouldn't do it, refused to do it because he's Dutch. Do you think there's a there's an element of our footballing culture that maybe needs to grow up a little bit and playing on with injuries as part of that? Barry Ferguson, to use another Rangers example, I think uh, once his career was over, said he looks back and he thinks, I, I played far too too often with too many knocks. I think Roy Keane said similar, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's something that has to be taken more seriously. We know how it goes up in Scotland. We know how the game goes. I really like to see people getting stuck in. They like to see them getting up after bad tackles and, you know, Brown giving it to the Pataudry crowd. We love all that kind of stuff. But Tierney's a young man and he's got what clearly is quite a serious injury. And it's dangerous for him to keep playing through that because he should hopefully have a long career ahead of him. But if you play through these uh, kind of... Do you of- have an MD? 
No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a medical opinion. It's just important to point that yeah. out. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. I was getting to I was getting to a point, but uh, you've just slightly undermined me there. Sorry, apologies. Well, what, what I was well, what I was trying to get to is there have been players before, young players who have had injuries, have maybe played too much, too young, played through injuries. Look at a guy like Michael Owen. Now I'm old enough to remember <laughs> Michael Owen when he was at Liverpool. He was one of the most exciting strikers in the world. He did his hamstring that time. He kept coming back. He kept going, and by the end of his career, he basically said he couldn't stand playing football because he couldn't do the things he used to able to do. Now, why are Celtic, who would win the league without Kieran Tierney, basically have won the league without Kieran Tierney, why do they need to keep pressing him into service when he could have had an operation in January and they'd still have won the league and he'd have more time to recover rather than risking aggravating the problem? And it is a serious problem because you look at a player, Marco Verratti, who had a serious, uh, similar sort of serious injury, hip injury, they put off the surgery he went under the knife in 2016. He missed Euro 2016. He came back. He had another hip problem, another groin problem. He had to miss out. And he's missed a lot of games in the last sort of three or four years with this kind of recurring issue. And that's something that will be really concerning to Celtic fans and to Scotland fans about Tierney going forward if they don't get this addressed properly. Is it incumbent on Celtic when a player makes comments like this to come out and put their medical science guys up to say, well, listen, this is what we've done. This is why it's okay. Because then you get a lot of people looking at it, looking at these comments and going, well, he's, he's sore moving about. He's in absolute agony. That that doesn't sound right, just as a layman. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't think the club really have to answer to, to things like that, really. Um, I don't think any club would. Him coming out and saying that, it doesn't sound good at all. Um, and as a person who's had two hernias in my life, um, I know how brutally painful it is it's like fire it's like somebody's actually shooting you with a very focused laser it's not pleasant and that's without having to charge up and down the left wing oh yes exactly I was just charging up and down by the bar at the time and you're a man who knows what being shot with a focused laser is like I am indeed yes absolutely well let's not go into into detail about that trip to Krakow Jules (laughs) delete delete Um, so yeah so I I know know just how painful it can be Um, as uh, the thing is I hear it kind of comes and goes he says has his constant do the club have to answer the public statement of that? I think I don't think they have to really. Um, it would be good if he wasn't experiencing this, um, but I don't know. I'm, 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 Jules, I'm not saying that Celtic have to come out and they yeah. must make a statement. What well, I suppose what I'm Celtic saying is Celtic must condemn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. What, what I'm saying Celtic is, is would, it, would it not be wise just to you know do put a wee interview with the club website on, uh-huh. on why they're doing what they're doing, why they're and, and and it doesn't have to be about Celtic it's more general yeah. because there's a heck of a lot of interest in these players mm-hmm. whether they're for Rangers or Celtic or Aberdeen or Hearts fans want to know and that's the kind of peak under the tarpaulin if you will that, that they enjoy and I'm just yeah. saying perhaps that would help um, make the debate more informed yeah and explain things yeah definitely absolutely um, there, there is a an undercurrent of a you know, indentured service here almost. Do you know what I mean? It's like Kieran Tierney has been like forced to run up and down the pitch with while while his groin is on fire. Do you know what I mean? That sounds rubbish. Do you know what I mean? But then again, he does it, and he's you know most of the time he is still better than most other folk on the pitch. And I'm sure he's um, probably keen to play, but there yeah. surely must come a point where someone has to say to him. And again, as Johnny's pointed out, I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> there surely come a point where someone has to say to him, "Look, it would be better for your career long term, whether that's at Celtic or elsewhere, if you just took some time off." Well, possibly and, it wouldn't be though. Sorry, I think possibly it isn't though because if it was you would like to think that the Celtic medical team and Kieran Tierney would make the informed decision like that so they would say Kieran Tierney well, do you feel like playing how do you feel up to it and he, and he obviously went yep I'm up for doing this I don't think the club would be risking 
Um, obviously, it's happened, as you said, but I don't think the risk of if it was a potential long-term uh, and making it worse. I don't think it'd be forcing them out there like that. But if you're asking him, I mean, players want to play, don't they? So Not always. If you're absolutely crippled, you know what I mean? Do you want to play? Well, I, but I'm absolutely crippled. Uh, my groin is on fire. Uh, I'm not playing. But, today, but someone with the appetite of Kieran Tierney to mm-hmm. play for the club he loves yeah. oh, and all yeah. those cliches, uh-huh. yeah. he will want to get on and play mm-hmm. in these big games. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you have to have a medical department that's going to step in. But yeah. I think the point of this was actually, this is not really about Celtic and Kieran Tierney. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger question of Scottish football and culture and whether or not, as Barry Ferguson's comments would suggest, as Roy Keane's comments would mm-hmm. suggest from his time down south, Perhaps it's a British issue that we tend not to take injuries as seriously as they do abroad, and they have done abroad. And is that something that we need to look at, Gaby? Yeah, I think it definitely is. I think uh, when Keane said, I can't remember which player he said, I think it was maybe Van Nistelrooy, maybe another Dutch player, who said that we, you know, if he wasn't feeling right, he just wouldn't play. And Keane said at the time, it infuriate, if, infuriated him. But looking back on it, Van Nistelrooy played a lot longer than Keane did. At, mm. uh, you know, kept going at a very high level for a long time. And Keane said that, well, maybe if I hadn't sort of felt uh, felt incumbent upon myself to force myself into those games, maybe I've, I'd have had a longer career. And I think it is a peculiar, peculiarly British thing that we want players to play through the pain barrier. I mean, how often do you hear, you know, reading the newspaper, so-and-so will play through the pain barrier to play in this final, in this big game. And you're like, well, is that a healthy thing to be doing? Mm-hmm. Like pain, again, I'm not a doctor, but I know <laughs> that pain is the body's way of telling you something is wrong. So mm-hmm. if you're playing through pain, it's not really a good thing, is it? Yeah, another yeah. example of that is Aryan Robin. He left Celtic. It's, oh, left Celtic. Celtic should be so lucky. <laughs> he left Chelsea 10 years ago, and people in England were saying, oh, this guy, he's got too many injuries. His career's on a downward trajectory. He's never going to be the same player again. He goes to Bayern Munich, and I think it's 18 trophies he's won in the 10 years he's spent there, and yeah. what a player he's been. Mm-hmm. Now, he hasn't played 50 games a season like he would be expected to in the Premier League. He's, I think, played on average three, 30, 35 games uh, a season. But what a contribution that guy's made. And I suppose it's another Dutchman, another obdurate Dutchman, as yeah. opposed to obdurate Ayrshireman. <laughs> but um, perhaps the Dutch have got the right idea about this mm. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think that's kind of apparent. Um, there's less of a even to call it a macho culture, which we have here, there's no doubt about it. I think as our own Dougie Hauser here pointed out, do you know what I mean? There is that, <laughs> <laughs> there is that culture of we like seeing uh, big meaty challenges. We like seeing folk getting back up after it. Even like we did Belly last week, do you know what I mean? We took that clatter back up again and run on the place erupts. Folk like even though it's like you've just seen a child being kicked up there, <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, you get back up. Rather than going, oh, you know, it's, it's, there is this thing in Scottish football that is this thing of man culture and, and, and toughness and there definitely is a thing of you know you should be just getting on with it and, and we want to highlight this because we're all wimps all three of us yeah. it was interesting you, you mentioned Doogie Hauser. Um, I'm too young to remember oh. Doogie Hauser, but what I do remember is going to see Starship Troopers uh-huh. and uh, the yeah. actor coming on and somebody yelling in the, in the screen Doogie Hauser! and me going who? Hey, where? Hey. Doogie yeah. Howes is Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> he, he, he was a doctor, but he was only twelve, and it was a right. really a great yeah. series. He was a doctor, Doogie Howes an MD, and that makes when he's in the um, what, one for the kids. This podcast, clearly. yes. <laughs> <laughs> right before we go into Doogie Howes or any further, uh, I'm going to move this on to a bit of beef. And we always like that here on the Football Scotland podcast. And it's between Alan Stubbs and St Mirren. He has done an interview where he has said that his signings have been made into scapegoats 
for St Mirren's poor form this season. Among other things, Gaby, you've written about this today. You've had a look back at the horror show that has been uh, Stubbs' signings uh, from the moment he got in the door at St Mirren. I think he lasted about 80 days or something like that. It wasn't a long time. It was a bit like a damned United Mark II, but in Paisley. Not sure if David Peace would have had quite so much success <laughs> writing that one. Um, but uh, what do you make of this all? I think it's I think it's ridiculous for Alan Stubbs to be coming out now uh, when St Mirren are playing a playoff tonight and to be giving it the, oh well, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Alan Stubbs <laughs> took over a team which had just absolutely romped to the championship title, totally threw out basically yeah. entire the entire team, signed a load of diddies from the English lower leagues. They started, started terribly, he got sacked, and now he's going, well, it wasn't my fault. But <laughs> Livingston... Sorry, I'm, you're getting a bit of a rant here. Livingston finished 12 points behind Living, uh, St Mirren and came up through the playoffs. They kept almost entirely the same team, which had finished, let me repeat that, 12 points behind St Mirren and they stayed in the league comfortably. And then Stubbs is coming out today saying, well, that St Mirren side wasn't good enough to stay in the top flight. Well, if Livingston could do it, who by definition were a worse team than St Mirren, then why are you ripping up a winning team to bring in a load of people who are now playing for Billericay Town and... What not? Well, Gaby, have you considered the fact that Alan Stubbs did not sell Scott Allen to Rangers? No, I haven't <laughs> considered Because <laughs> that was a big thing at the time. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he didn't sell Scott <laughs> Allen to Rangers. Well done. <laughs> um, but I mean, uh, Stubbs, uh, Jules, I'm going to try and defend them here. He did win a Scottish Cup with Hibs. He has to have something about him. I mean, that team that, uh, that faced Rangers off in the, the championship season... What a good Hibs team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, undeniably. There's undeniably he's got pedigree. There's, it's undeniable that he knows his football. He's a capable manager. He's proved it more than once. Is well, St. Mirren fans would take <laughs> no, but yeah, No, but then he's obviously made a complete arse of it. Do you know what I mean? And done that, which managers sometimes do. And it's not just because he's done well at Hibs. He's done these sort of things. That doesn't mean that what he's doing at St. Mirren is right. Obviously, what he done at St. Mirren was diabolical. Like, just as It's not just St. Mirren, is it, Gaby? No. And did he do well at Hibs? I mean, yeah, they won the cup. But you said that was a good Hibs team. They failed to get promoted from the championship twice. But also, you know... <laughs> I also saw in that interview today he said, oh, you know, I just jumped in too quickly. I didn't do enough due diligence about it. Oh, wait, no. That was Alan Stubbs making excuses for being <laughs> sacked by Rotherham for getting one win in 14 games, 10 of, which the, 10 of the other games of which were defeats. There is a weight of evidence, a body of evidence, if you will, Jules, that suggests yes. that Rotherham and St Mirren, two of the worst managerial spells in the history of British football, Probably tell you more about Alan Stubbs' quality Indeed. than his spell at Hibs. I would say Defend so. your man. He's not, man. God almighty, I'm not defending Stubbs. <laughs> Dear Lord. All I'm saying is, you know, just because you've done well one time doesn't mean you'll do well the next and the other way about. I, I, I do not particularly rate him as a coach. I think what he's done at St Mirren has shown that. But just, be, you know, I thought he'd done, you know, he didn't, obviously, yeah. Okay, he failed to get promotion with Hibs. He'd done well with Hibs, I thought, up to a point. He was not an absolute donkey. You weren't screaming, no, if you have, so you're not screaming for him to get his jotters. Whereas at St Mirren, obviously, you know, really. Um, and the fact that he's now trying to deny it, and now trying to say it wasn't his players. You look at that list of players that gave he's now knocked up and where they are now, it is... Yeah, absolutely. And he won the Scottish Cup with Hibs, a feat yeah. which previously nobody thought was possible, yeah. Hibs winning the Scottish Cup. Totally. And if you asked Hibs about Alan Stubbs, I'm sure they'd say, oh, he's a legend. If you asked Hibs, would you like Alan Stubbs back? I bet they'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> and that tells its own story. Fair play. Just on Alan Stubbs' recruitment, I'm going to give you a list of players. Some of them are playing in the bottom tier of English football. 
and some of them are former Alan Stubbs signings. You have to tell me which one is which. Does that make any sense? So it's like a wee game. Which so is this a real Alan Stubbs signing or not? Yes, correct. Right, right. Okay, so Jules, because you've wrote the article. Right, I, Jules, did Alan Stubbs sign Hayden Coulson, or is he just a bad lower league player? <laughs> Um, he signed him. He did. Good. Is Jeff King a bad lower league player, or did Alan Stubbs just sign him? Alan Stubbs signed him. Correct. Good knowledge. Did Ryan Edwards sign for Alan Stubbs, or is he a bad lower league player? He signed for Alan Stubbs. Well done. (laughs) I, would, I think you should know Ryan Edwards because yes. he's a part of this old legend. <laughs> we know that you've no, been known to frequent the, the West End of Glasgow. I do, I do, I do like a little, um, a little cappuccino. F- final one: Did Alan signs? Uh, did Alan stop <laughs> sign this man, or is he a bad lower league player? Alfie Jones. Alan stop signing. Correct, Jules. <laughs> you win uh, nothing. Having the Stubbs Cup. <laughs> If any, but if you ever doubted that the Football Scotland pundits know their stuff, yep. Jules has just proved uh, yeah. it there with his knowledge of Deddy Exit Mirren players. It's my mastermind subject. Essential listening. Right, well, we're going to move on to a couple of questions that we've had from uh, our listeners. Um, and uh, I think some, uh, some some interesting ones that we've got here. So uh, I'm going to do that again because I'm doing that, which is okay. a bit weird. It would have been good to know what the questions were before we started. Yes, well, no, I'm throwing this out to you, Jules. I'm right. deliberately trying to catch you off guard. But I'm going to start with Gaby first because I know it's, it is easily done. Gaby, this is a question from at Josh Hendry underscore 10. He's asked, what uncapped players should Steve Clark be looking at for his upcoming squad? And then there's a second part of the question we'll go into after this. Who do you think? I think the obvious answer would be Greg Taylor at Kilmarnock. Uh, we know that uh, Kieran Tierney is not going to be in the squad because he's having surgery after the Scottish Cup final. Andy Robertson will be playing in the Champions League final, I think, six days before the Belgium game. Uh, Taylor has played under Clark at Kilmarnock so Clark knows he can rely on him and Taylor knows what Clark wants from him so uh, take less time on the training ground he's been really consistent over the past few years for Kelly he's played over 100 games he's still only 21 and perhaps most importantly Clark said only earlier this month I'm pretty sure he's got the talent to play at international level so I think that would be the obvious one given that we know there'll be at least one space at left back Jules, the other one that jumps out at me is Motherwell's David Turnbull. Now, there's been a lot of discussion on social media, a lot of people putting his name forward as a potential Scotland international. For me, one season at Motherwell is a huge jump to then go and play for the Scottish national team. Now, this kid looks like a terrific talent, no doubt about that, but it's a lot of pressure and it's a big jump from playing in front of five, six, seven thousand at Motherwell to playing in front of 50,000 in the national team with everyone in the country watching and the subsequent media attention that will come with that. Am I wrong or am I right? Come back at me. Um, will it be 50,000 there for Cyprus? Well, I, I, think, I think it's going to <laughs> be a lot Steve, more than there Steve would have Clark, been. I think that's going to get a bit of Steve Clark roller coaster. I think it will. Um, I, I think he, he's obviously a very talented young player. Um, I think he could cope with being in the squad. Hmm. At least, I, th- I don't think it would be a bad thing at all for his development to be in the squad, to be on the bench, to be around those other players. Um, depending on who else is in the squad at the time, he could be learning for that. Um, could he be thrown on, um, you know, say as a sub against Cyprus later in the game? Yeah, very possibly. I don't think that would be too much. I don't, I don't think there's as much pressure on the Scotland national team as there was in the past uh, when... 
when you were young, certainly when I was young, um, or that sort of thing, it's not got the same. It's certainly, you know, Gaby's still young. Um, I don't All think- Gaby knows is tears yes, from the Scottish indeed. national team. We can remember at least, uh, you know, the, the, the glorious days of getting beaten by Costa Rica. Exactly. I can remember those glo- glory days of those, <laughs> those three games in the World Cup when all your hopes were there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, I don't think there's as much expectation, as much pressure on it anymore because we are so in the grubber. I think things are low. I think there's an opportunity for young players to come through and actually make a mark there. Um, I wouldn't want to just throw him in as first choice and that's it because he is young and you don't want to do it too much. And he's yeah. not better than Callum McGregor. Let's be realistic. No, no. no so no. if we're going to have a number 10, yes. you would, uh, personally oh. I would argue that Callum McGregor is the guy that you would want in there. Oh, Gaby? Well, uh, I would agree with the Callum McGregor point but then you're talking about there's been rumours of bringing back players like Barry Bannon who haven't done it before for Scotland. I mean, what's Barry Bannon ever done for Scotland? Nothing. He's pulled out of squads. Why wouldn't he I be I did notice off? that he's got 11 assists in the Championship this season which has put him, I think, third in the assist chart. Yeah, well, all right. Gaby looks unimpressed. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's true. I'm just saying he's, ne- he's never done it for Scotland. We know. We know what kind of player Barry Bannon is. There's no surprises to come from Barry Bannon. Turnbull maybe won't be able to make the step up to international level, but he's been brilliant for Motherwell. He's on form. He's a young player. Why not put him in and see what he can do? He's an unknown. Unlike Barry Bannon, we know what we know. Everything we need to know about that player. Certainly do. Okay, well, we're going to go to the second part of this question from Josh. He said, uh, additionally, what players deserve a second chance? And he's putting brackets a la Snodgrass, Marshall, etc. I've got one for this, guys. I think uh, the first name that should be in his team sheet in terms of attacking players should be Stephen Fletcher. I think Fletcher is still our best attacking uh, focal point in terms of uh, playing up front number nine. He showed in the last few games that he had when he was brought back in from the cold under Alex McLeish, he's still mobile enough, he's still fit enough, and he's certainly still strong enough to hold that line. And no player, no other player for Scotland links that middle to front better than Fletcher. I think that's really important, especially if you've got two flying machines left and right of him. If you've got uh, Fraser on the left and on the right you've got um, uh, James Forrest, two really quick players, you need somebody that can lick the, link the play and slip balls into him. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I always thought Fletcher was very unfairly maligned by the Tartan Army when he did play for Scotland. I think you know he won't he won't score a huge amount of goals. I know I know he's if you look at his goal scoring record, it doesn't look bad, but a lot of those goals were against Gibraltar and San Marino. But like you say, Johnny, he holds the play up really well. You just have to think back to the goal Anya scored away yeah. away in Germany, where it was a ball into Fletcher, held it up, released him. If you've got players, like you say, like uh, Fraser and Forrest, he's the ideal man to do that. He's good in the air. He can hold the ball up in a way that uh, a player like Lee Griffiths can't. He isn't perhaps as technically good as Griffiths, but I think in international football, if you're a team like Scotland, where you're not going to be dominating every game all the time, you probably do need someone up there who can uh, win the ball and can hold it up, can take the pressure off. And yeah, I think I think Fletcher would be one who definitely should be given a second chance. Jules, there does seem to be this uh, trend in modern football whereby the number nine is almost a dying art. The Lee Griffiths type goal scorer. You look at Liverpool with Robert Firmino, their number nine. He's more of an attacking midfielder and that allows Salah and Manny to push right up almost as strikers. It's very flexible. And in a way, is that is that the way that Scotland should go or and will go? Because they've got such terrific players left and right of a front three that um, perhaps if you've got Fletcher up there as a target man, it does leave you a little bit exposed in, mid- in the modern game in midfield. Mm-hmm. Or do you think that we'll stick with that old-fashioned, traditional, either big target man or someone like Lee Griffiths who can get in behind? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think, uh, obviously, Clark's going to be coming in with um, 
a lot of ideas because we, we really need to do some work on what's going on in there. Um, as you say, there is this great movement come up the sides in there. Um, will he try and change that? Well, I think I think things need to be done. I think he needs to radically rework what's been happening up, up to that point and he needs to get the whole team believing it's going to be a, a doable prospect and maybe that is the way he can do it maybe make it seem more modern make it not seem like same old Scotland you know clogging up doing the same things and, and actually putting a bit of directness and attacking football and bite back into the team Gaby if I trust Steve Clark to do one thing it's to get the tactics right yeah, I think there's no question that he'll make Scotland more organised and hard to beat. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Kilmarnock this season, they actually did play some good football with players like Brophy, um, Buck, Jones before he signed that pre-contract. So he knows how to get uh, attacking players functioning well mm-hmm. within a system. Um, so, yeah, I think I, th- I think you can absolutely rely on uh, he will get the system right, he'll get them set up properly, and then obviously it's down to the players on the pitch. But I think Fletcher's absolutely the kind of player that Clark would probably like, someone who maybe he's not flashy, he doesn't score that much, but he'll do the job that he sends him out there to do, and he'll do it well. We've made a great player, the fact you're a bit younger than us. Of course, you're old Dal over there in the corner, who's, who's ancient, David. and me, who's like a, a sort of older, cool brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how I've always thought of you, Johnny. Yeah, yeah that's um, You're grounded. <laughs> do you, as one of that millennial generation that genuinely hasn't grown up with any kind of success to hang your hat on for Scotland, do you feel more excited, more enthusiastic about the national team than you have done previously with Steve Clark in charge? Uh, a little bit, yeah. There's certainly a feel-good factor around it. I'm going to be honest, it is difficult to, after so many years of watching Scotland come close and fall at the last hurdle or embarrass ourselves or glorious failure, it is difficult to sort of get excited about spending 50 quid to go and watch the national team at Hamden. I, I used to go to every game. It's it's becoming more difficult to become enthusiastic about it. But I think that's part of the reason why the SFA have pushed the boat out and got Clark, who I think most people agreed was the outstanding candidate. I think a big part of it is bringing the enthusiasm back. And that's what he did at Kilmarnock, really. You know, uh, I think we've discussed it before, but it was the, it was a similar situation he walked into at Kilmarnock where there was a lot of apathy around the place. And you saw in his final game uh, with the three three stands for the Kilmarnock fans that he's, he's in a similar situation with Scotland, I think. Jules, what, what about you? You've you've seen it all. You can remember back to uh, 1970, of course, <laughs> Billy Bremner and drawing all three games and that miss against Brazil. You remember that like it was yesterday, even though you were absolutely. in your 30s. Yeah, absolutely. Tell, absolutely. Tell us. I can remember watching it on the telly, holding the aerial up for my ma. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I know that the first World Cup that you saw would have been 1974. Um, <laughs> do, do, you, do you feel like we're on the verge of something with Steve Clark? <sighs> It's, we should be we should be as Gaby says we have got the outstanding candidate there is nobody else that would deserve that job more and has got a potential to do something with it um, they had to get it absolutely spot on because interest in the national team is probably an all time low um, so obviously we're in the verge of something because well, one it couldn't get any well it could get any worse but we won't go into who they were but he is going to breathe some life into the team he is going to bring back a bit of belief he's going to bring back a bit of positivity and what it does but it will depend on results and it, it might take him a while but I think it, there's a better chance now than any that people might actually care about it again and that's been quite sad to see because over the years Scotland fans always supported Scotland even though we weren't doing we, you know, we'd get to a certain point and that's as far as it go but slowly but surely you've saw people just losing interest over and over again there's young generations like Gaby's generation is probably the last ones that really gave much of that my son's 15 um pff, 
I can't imagine the, talking how many. Do you want to go and see Scotland play? Like, hey, no. I'm Italian. I'm Italian, Dad. <laughs> I, I, totally, I'll take, it, take anything. He's like, nah, you're all right. Um, it's because international football is rubbish unless it's the summer and there's a tournament on. Yeah. I think everybody knows this. Yeah, totally, exactly. That's a good but, point to end on, I think, Gaby. We'll just leave that there. Um, <laughs> that's all from us here in Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can hear from more from us on our Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Jules. Captain underscore Howdy. And you can get Gaby. Alan Stubbs doesn't have Twitter, does he? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, okay, in that case, it's at Gaby McKay. <laughs> <laughs> Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. Get him, Stubbsy.